the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Thank you so much for joining us at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock now as we begin this edition of the Bob France Authority. It's Monday, the sixth morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2019. To everybody I triggered with my um, President Trump meme yesterday on Cinco de Mayo, I would like to apologize. All right, I'm lying. I would not like to apologize. I would like to tell you to eat it. All right? It's the way that it is. I tweeted yesterday and Facebook posted, President Trump wishing everybody a happy May 5th by saying happy Cinco de Ported. And some people didn't like it. I don't know why. I guess the, the, the it's starting to warm up. Spring is here. Uh, temperatures are rising and snowflakes are melting at a much more rapid pace now. So happy day after Cinco de Ported. Uh, yes, if you are an illegal immigrant in this country, that is exactly what should be happening. All right, I'm not going to talk about immigration a lot today, though, because I have so many other very important top-of-mind issues that we are going to get out in front of. And I also have a couple of very good guests who are going to be joining me. About an hour from now at 1010, we're going to speak with Lara Trump. She is, of course, an advisor in the Trump White House. She is also the daughter-in-law of President Trump. She's married to Eric Trump. Eric has been a regular guest on this program, but today... Laura is going to be joining us because she's in Ohio. She's in Ohio because she is going to be speaking as the keynote speaker at the Lincoln Reagan Day dinner in Delaware County this week. So, uh, she is going to be joining us to talk about that and talk about, uh, some of the wonderful news that her father, uh, has been touting properly and appropriately. And that is, of course, related to the booming economy in, uh, uh, in the age of Donald Trump. So we're going to talk to her about that. And then coming up in these, uh, later in the second hour of the program at 1035, you may recall, I hope you recall anyway, my conversation last week with uh, Chris Long, Pastor Chris Long, who is, of course, the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. The Ohio Christian Alliance Spring Freedom Banquet is Friday. I will be emceeing that event uh, down there at uh, the Akron Fairlawn Hilton, I believe it is. 
And uh, I invite you. There are still opportunities for you to attend that. Go to the Ohio. I'm just going to give you a quick plug here while we're at it. Uh, then I'll tell you what I'm talking about. But uh, just go to ohioca.org, ohioca.org, if you would like to get tickets to be at the uh, uh, Spring Freedom ba- Banquet this Friday. And uh, Pastor Long was telling us about the project that we are working toward here. It's a continuation. The final phase of the D-Day Prayer Project is in place now, and that is uh, raising the funds to add uh, a very, very lengthy and very, very appropriate prayer, the D-Day Prayer, to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. It's the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings this year, so this is the time. Anyway, Pastor Long was talking to us about that. That's what our fundraiser is all about with the uh, uh, Freedom Banquet. and. Uh, we're going to be speaking this week with some of the individuals who are responsible. Today, it will be author and historian Bill Federer, who is uh, going to speak to us about that D-Day prayer and put some of that in context for you about how important and appropriate it is to have that on the World War II Memorial. Later this week, we're going to talk, I think it's tomorrow, in fact, we're going to talk with uh, Congressman Bill Johnson. We haven't spoken to him in a few, we- a few months. He was the original sponsor of the bill to add this uh, funding, or add this uh, prayer, I should say, by the way, uh, that we are trying to raise funding for right now. And then a little bit later in the week, we're also trying to nail down uh, Senator Rob Portman, who is going to be speaking at the Spring Freedom Banquet by way of um, video. He was the Senate side. He sponsored it on the Senate side as far as the World War II Memorial Prayer. So anyway, we have great guests all week long about that uh, Spring Freedom Banquet coming up with the Ohio CA, the Ohio Christian Alliance, coming up on Friday. Uh, great guests all week long. Today's, it will be Bill Federer at about 1035. So we're looking forward to those conversations. Phone lines for you, of course, will be open. In this hour especially, we are guest-free until 10 o'clock at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. You may also tweet or Facebook comment to me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, Radio, France Radio, all one word, no spaces, nor underscores. I have so many things and so many pieces of audio that I want to share with you today that I uh, I don't really uh, know where to start. I'm going to have to just start, I guess, with the economy. I spent all day on Friday cheering and celebrating and uh, and having a good time, and I hope you did too, celebrating the April jobs report, and moreover, the the incredible turn of events, the the bigger picture than just one month's job growth the bigger picture of an unemployment rate in the united states of america at a 49 year low of 3.6 percent it has not been this prosperous in terms of working in america since 1969 and this is all happening under the trump economic policies 1969 you think well we added a lot of jobs when Barack Obama was president, too, right? Yeah, of course we did. Uh, what kinds of jobs? Not very good jobs in the slowest economic recovery from recession uh, in, in more than five decades. Not very many good jobs. A lot of part-time jobs uh, are what was added to the Obama economy's uh, um, uh, job uh, creation numbers. But in this particular economy, it's manufacturing numbers far outpacing anything we have seen in decades, manufacturing jobs coming back, that the President of the United States worked very, very hard to set the conditions for. This, of course, is something that the Democrats told us is impossible, that Barack Obama told us was impossible because President Trump didn't have a magic wand. As proof of the jobs uh, coming back uh, being so much better than service sector jobs and low-paying jobs and part-time jobs, the average uh, wage in the United States now 
wages for middle-class Americans has continued to rise 3.2% in the last 12 months to an average of $27.70 per hour. That's reality. That's reality. Real money going in real people's pockets. And they, of course, are then using those dollars to spend, continuing to grow the economy, which is also at 3.2% growth in GDP. The president's economy is booming. Tax cuts, deregulation, uh, uh, corporate interest uh, 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 cuts. I mean, everything that the president has has promised to do back when he was candidate Trump in 2015 and 2016, he is carrying out, particularly as it pertains to the economy, as the president. This is the type of growth this country has needed. This is the type of growth this country has demanded. And this is the type of economy and economic growth this country or this president is delivering. Now, how? why am I bringing all that up again? This is from Friday's show. show. Well, because my show on Friday, highlighting all of those things and more, was followed up by Sunday talk shows yesterday, in which every Democrat did everything that they could to try to tamp down the economy. They're, they're in a bad way right now. Make no mistake about this. They are in a very bad way. They don't know what to do. They're trying to figure out how do we deal with the fact that the Trump economy is is killing it. How are we supposed to run against him? How are we supposed to convince people to vote against this guy and and put one of us in office when things are going great guns? Because the truth of the matter is that in almost, almost every case, when an economy is going this strong, re-election for the incumbent president is a shoe-in. And it's only... The Democrat, well, it's two things, I think. Number one, it's the president's likability factor. A lot of people like him for the great job he's doing in terms of the economy, but a lot of people just don't like him because his personality is so rough and gruff, and it's very, very tough sometimes to get a to get a feeling of, of you know fondness for the man for a lot of people who are not already Trump-trained riders. But number two, because of what they've done to him for two and a half years. They've tried to make him look like he was an agent of Russia. Tried to make it look like he was actually doing Vladimir Putin's bidding for him. And even when he's cleared of all of those things by the Mueller report, they still won't let go. So the president, instead of cruising toward re-election with great economic numbers, as in almost every president in, uh, in our history has done, particularly in recent history with economic growth like this, uh, the president has to fight for his job. He has to fight for his political life. They are calling him everything but the president. So what I want to share with you is a little bit of audio here from the Sunday talk shows, as I mentioned. I feel like I needed to come back today and remind people about the reality of the situation because people like uh, Democratic presidential candidates like Cory Booker are on the Sunday talk shows, such as CNN's State of the Union, trying to tell you not to believe your lying eyes, trying to tell you that this Trump economy is not really the Trump economy. Trump isn't responsible for this. This is the Obama economy. It was just on a delayed start. That's all. But this is the Barack Obama economy. Here's Cory Booker on CNN's State of the Union. To talk about the city's turnaround and his White House bid. The uh, jobs report came out Friday. Uh, half a million new jobs added. The last time the unemployment rate was this low 
I was nine months old. You were eight months old. Yes. 1969. Yes. How do you make a pitch to voters? The economy is thriving. Let's get rid of the, the president. You don't need to make a pitch. Listen to voters. When you walk around my block, you ask people if the numbers that Donald Trump touts are really making a difference in their lives. Uh, you have people all my block. I'm the only presidential candidate that lives in a low-income inner-city neighborhood. Talk to folks, and they'll tell you, I have to work two jobs just to try to keep myself in housing. And by the way, that housing it doesn't reflect the dignity of my family. Americans are struggling. Their wages are too low. We're decades low. For the last four decades, I don't think they've budged <laughs> that much. They went up, they've gone up 3%, which is more than it ever went up during Obama. Uh, uh, but again, tell, tell, first of all, Obama, I, I love that Trump is taking credit for a recovery that started under Obama. But the I, I just want you to understand what, just, what he just did there. His first Democrat talking point was, Americans are still struggling. Americans are struggling. Wages are too low. Oh, my goodness. Wages, wages, wages. Wages are too low. Then when Jake Tapper says, uh, wages have gone up 3.2%, more than they ever did under Obama, he pivots away from that lie about wages being too low to this lie. Trump is taking credit for Obama's economic recovery. Substance of this. Who is this economy? going to work for and we had a tax plan that was all about giving the wealthiest people more more of a break my vision for this country is that we will target things like a massive increase in the earned income tax credit to actual workers we've got to make sure that this is a shared recovery because right now it definitely is not what do you say to some I, I just it's staggering to me that these individuals can sit here and lie on national television and not expect those lies to be called out when they take the debate stage as primary uh, con- uh, contestants for the presidency, primary candidates. I mean, does he not think we're going to play this again and again and again? Especially if any one of them actually becomes the nominee and challenges President Trump. He just sat there and lied to the American people, to Jake Tapper on CNN, saying that this this uh, tax plan of the president's is only working for the, the wealthy. It is not only not just working for the wealthy, it is, I mean, because it is working for the wealthy, it is working for corporations. It is the rising tide that is lifting all boats. However, it is not only not just working for the wealthy, it is working better for the middle class than it is for the wealthy. You need proof of that? I've got that for you, too. We come prepared on this program. I'll share the rest of that with you coming up right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, 925 now, the Bob France Authority continuing. I want to share with you a little follow-up to Cory Booker's uh, erroneous, false, uh, dishonest, deceptive, duplicitous, whatever you want to call it, claim that the current economic boom this country is enjoying, this uh, thriving economic uh, situation, belongs to Barack Obama, not Donald Trump. That's, a, that's all the Democrats can do is just lie because they cannot say anything about the economy. They're going to try. You heard, you heard Booker say, well, middle-class people are hurting. Wages are down. No, wages are rising, and they are rising exponentially higher. So he changes it to, um, well, if it is going well, it's because because what Obama did for for eight years that is just now taking effect three years after he's gone. That's what they're trying to sell. 
Uh, Larry Kudlow is the director of the National Economic Council. He's the president's chief advisor on all things economy. He had a little response to what Cory Booker had to say. I um, get, you know that was like really late in the day. I how much know, coffee had you had? I didn't know how much how I had the energy to do that. But there's a wonderful young man that does these things, uh-huh. and I just walked out and I don't know, man. Let her rip. This, it, these are blowout numbers. The economy is going great, guns and. POTUS policies, to be perfectly honest, his policies to rebuild this economy have entered us into a tremendous prosperity cycle. And, and, and I don't see any end to it right now. You can say, of course, I'm being partisan. I'm not. The data and the facts support that view. And I think Americans love it. I think Americans love it. Economic approval for the president is very high, close to 60% in many you, When Cory Booker in Garrettini's report was taking aim at the president and saying that this is not a recovery felt across the board and really it's Obama's policies, uh, there was some language that you probably don't want to repeat now that we're on the air, but you had some thoughts. <laughs> well, look at um, the evidence shows. I'm just going to use the darn facts. If you look at the payroll numbers, the, the blowout number of 263,000 and a 3.6% unemployment with no inflation, let's go below that. On the wage front, rising 3.2% overall, the bottom quarter. Yeah. 4.4% wage increase. The top quarter, um, 3.5%. So you're... I want you to hear that part again. That's the key. This is what I meant before when I said Larry Kudlow is going to respond to the lies of Cory Booker, who tried to say that the president's tax cuts, the president's economic plan, is leading to increases for the wealthy, but not for the middle class or the lower middle class of Americans who are working. They're trying to get you to believe that tax cuts only favor the wealthy. Well, here's Larry Kudlow laying it out once again. Quarter, three and a half percent. So you're saying the bottom wage increase. The top quarter, three and a half percent. So you're saying the bottom quarter's feeling it more. They're outperforming. Now, look, I want, first of all, both are good, and a rising tide is lifting all boats. But the point I'm making is it's the blue collar people that have the fastest job expansion, and it's the blue collar people that have the best wage growth. So what Mr. Booker and some others are saying is simply not true factually that's all i want to make point and that's what they do they say a lot of things that are just not true factually larry kudlow just laid it out the blue collar lower middle and middle class workers are growing wages at a far faster rate than those who are the wealthiest they're claiming that the trump tax cuts were just a nod to his one percent billionaire buddies and who cares about the little guy it's the little guy that is getting the best growth in wages that they have had in 10 years. Barack Obama never, never had a quarter or a year of 3.2% wage growth. Barack Obama never had uh, a quarter or a year in which African-American unemployment fell to all-time lows. Never had a quarter or a year in which Latino Americans or Hispanic Americans ever had that. I mean, we can go through these again and again and again and again. It's not going to change. The Obama economy stalled. It was a recovery from the recession that ended when he took office, yes, but it was an extremely slow recovery that featured more Americans on food stamps than ever before in the history of the United States. That has been replaced with more Americans working 
and the lowest unemployment in 49 years since 1969. The Dems are going to try. They're going to try to lie and cheat and steal on their way to this uh, 2020 election. But got bad news for them. We're ready for them. We're ready for them armed with facts. And as a uh, couple of very famous conservative pundits, not the least of which is Ben Shapiro, says, um, facts don't care about your feelings. Back after this on AM 1420, The End. Continue the Bob Brands Authority, eight fourteen twenty. The answer. Let me ask you a question: Are um, are there any tears quite as sublime as liberal tears? Because I, I you know, it, it's a beautiful thing to see. It really is. It really is sublime to to see and to listen to them cry. Would you believe that in May of twenty nineteen, May of twenty nineteen, after two years? of Mueller investigations after two years of of crying and whining and complaining about the Electoral College, would you believe that in May of 2019, really now almost three years since the election of November 2016, that the Democrats and their really, really horrific, terrible, ugly, no, I don't mean that physically, I mean in terms of the campaign, their terrible, ugly, no good, horrible campaign, uh, that they ran for Hillary Clinton, they are still complaining about the result of the election. Hillary Clinton, who is now essentially uh, offering to talk your ear off for uh, for a meal. Um, seriously, did you know that her little Clinton tour, the little An Evening with Bill and Hillary tour that they've been on for a little while now, do you know tickets that started out as like $500? I mean, it was a grand. I can't remember exactly. It was a crazy large number. Who's going to pay that kind of money to listen to these two has-beens sit on a stage and complain and whine? Those tickets are now available online in the last few stops for like two bucks. <laughs> I'll talk for, for, for food. We'll talk for food. We'll cry for food. And that's exactly what she did in Inglewood, California on Saturday. Hillary and Bill on the stage... Uh, you know, dancing for, for Nichols, Hillary Clinton still cannot accept and will not accept the outcome of the 20, 2016 presidential election. I think it's also critical to understand that, as I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign. I have to pause here and just ask, do you really believe any candidates are coming to see her for advice? Truthfully. Who would go and watch and listen to and counsel and consult with Hillary Rodham Clinton, who ran the failed campaign in the primaries against Barack Obama back in 2007-2008, then ran a failed campaign in which she didn't think it was important to visit some of the important uh, quote-unquote blue wall states that she just took for granted, uh, particularly in the Midwest, uh, do you really believe any demon rat candidate is going to go and consult with Hillary Clinton on how to run a, run a campaign? She says they are. I don't believe it anyway. What, what, what happens when you tell them? What do you tell them, uh, Hillary? You can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. <laughs> so we're going to unify folks. But She actually sat there on that couch or chair uh and and told her crowd of of nickel throwers that the election was stolen from her stolen how 
Hill. It was an electoral, a very, I wouldn't call it landslide. Landslide is what Reagan did to Mondale, just by example. Landslide, no. Landslide was pretty much what Obama did to McCain, too, quite frankly. Uh, but it was an extremely decisive victory for President Trump over Hillary Clinton. And she's still claiming that the election was stolen from her. You talk about somebody who's just lost. Talk about somebody who just cannot accept reality. And I got good news for you, friends. This is what we we really were hoping for. We're hoping that the Democrats never learn their lesson. And, and it sounds like they haven't. If anybody is actually going to call a consulting counsel with Hillary Clinton about running a campaign, that's good. That means they didn't learn their lesson about her failed candidacy. And if they are still believing that, that the election was stolen and if things were run on the up and up, they'll win, that's, again, that's a strategy that is an epic fail for them, and that's exactly what we're hoping for. We're hoping they learned nothing from their mistakes. And in true Demon Rat Pod fashion, I think that's exactly what we're seeing. I'm going to give you one more clip here, and then I'll go to some phone calls. If you want to call, 216-901-0945, We'll get you up and on the radio before the top of the hour. This is the best time to call now because we have guests coming up in a bit, including Laura Trump, the daughter-in-law of the President of the United States, coming up at 1010. But I'll play one more piece of audio for you. This one doesn't have to do with the economy. This doesn't have to do with the elections. This has to do with sour grapes. Well, we didn't win the election, says Eric Swalwell. Uh, and we're probably not going to be able to beat him in a re-election campaign in 2020 because he, meaning President Trump, is enjoying this fantastic economy. Uh, so we have to find a way to impeach him. Eric Swalwell was on, uh, this was with Face the Nation, CBS's Face the Nation, also on the talk shows yesterday. Listen to this <clears throat> person. And go ahead with impeachment. Do you support impeachment of the president? This president is taking us down that road. It's, it's maybe the only road to save the country, but right now... The only road to save a country that has rebuilt its military is once again the most feared yet respected and also relied upon military power in the world. To save a country that has a booming, growing, expanding national economy. Impeachment must happen to save a country that is the lowest unemployment rate it's had in 49 years. Impeachment must happen to save this country, this country that has better working opportunities in terms of jobs and in terms of wages than it has had in over a decade and in some cases in the history of recording of employment statistics. We have to find a way to save this country, says Eric Swalwell. This is what they are. This is who they are. This is They are liars, cheaters, and stealers. And I don't mean the Pittsburgh kind, but that's fine, too. That's what they are. This country is booming. This country is strong again militarily. This country is the, about the only problem we face right now is demon rats who will not get, to, uh, get into uh, Capitol Hill to do their jobs and legislate a fix to the extraordinary humanitarian and emergency crisis we have going on at our southern border. That's about the only thing we don't have going right right now. And they won't even take that up. 
Because every time they get together, it's to talk about finding ways to impeach Trump. Investigate, impeach, investigate, impeach. He says we have to save the country from Donald Trump. country has not been in this good a shape in probably 30 years. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, with the Attorney General, I think we should move to impeach him first. Now, I'm, I'm the father of a... Oh, we got to impeach him first. Yeah, the Attorney General of the United States, the one, William Barr, who actually is turning the Department of Justice back into a law enforcement agency rather than using it as a political weapon to bludgeon political opponents the way it was under Loretta Lynch, under the guidance of Barack Obama, when it was using its own FBI to spy on presidential campaigns. We want to impeach Barr? Now that the DOJ is actually being functioning, functioning again as... A vehicle for justice? Now we want to impeach this guy? A two-year-old and a six-month-old. We're going through the terrible twos. When my son misbehaves, we take a toy away. We know if we don't do that, he's only going to get worse. We have a really bad kid at the White House. And unless we start (laughs) showing that there are consequences for their actions, he's only going to get worse. And the next kid, the next president, is going to look at what we did now and judge their actions based on whether there were consequences or not. He wants to impose consequences on a president who was cleared, who was cleared of any wrongdoing by a special counsel investigation that was ordered because nobody trusted the last Department of Justice, the one that was actually run by Jeff Sessions. Democrats didn't trust him, Rod Rosenstein said we can't investigate whether or not there was Russian collusion with the Trump campaign, so we'll appoint a special counsel, a former FBI director. By the way, a good friend of the most recently fired FBI FBI director, James Comey, and we'll let him figure out if anything wrong was done. Two years, $25 million later, nope, no collusion. Everything was on the up and up. Everything is fine. And now Eric Swalwell is calling for consequences as if there are children in the White House who were misbehaving. Friends, I, I've given you enough audio here. I mean, honestly, this is, these, the, the derangement, people talk about TDS, Trump derangement syndrome. This goes beyond that. I think there's a lot of people here on the Democrat side who, who are literally mentally ill. I, I think therapy, psychological counseling, if not psychiatric count, uh, counseling and medication might be necessary here. They are just off of their rockers. There are bats in their belfries. They're a couple of nuggets short of a Happy Meal. These people are literally psychologically damaged. And I'm going to give you one more. I'll give you one more. Then I'll go to the phones. One more. Joe Biden. Joe Biden, of course, is now in the fray, entered the race last week, and decided on Saturday to take to the stage and declare that Donald Trump is racist. And the Jim Crow laws are coming back in because of the Republican Party. I'm just going to let this speak for itself for a moment. Janice, in the meantime, the horse race for 2020, out in full force. Joe Biden yesterday out on the trail in South Carolina, a key early state. Uh, He's clearly not holding back and going right at the president of the United States. Uh, Yeah, he's claiming that Jim Crow laws are making a comeback. Take a listen. The single most important right you have as an American, the right to vote, the right to vote. And folks, last year, 
24 states introduced or enacted at least 70 bills to curtail the right to vote. And guess what? Mostly directed at, quote, people of color. You see it. We got Jim Crow sneaking back in. No, I mean it. Why? Because you know if everybody has an equal right to vote, guess what? They lose. Joe Biden, again, in full delusional Democratic meltdown mode, is lying to the American people, lying to his audience, and because this is going to get play online, lying to everyone. No Demo- or excuse me, Republican-introduced voter ID laws are aimed at any particular color. He's lying, saying it's aimed at people of color. How can that be? If everybody of all colors has to provide a photo identification, how can it be aimed at people of color? Secondly, Jim Crow is creeping back in? Would you would you like to maybe go on the record for us here? Weird, creepy Uncle Joe? Maybe while giving somebody a shoulder massage and a hair sniff? Would you like to explain which party in the late 1800s all the way up to 1964 in the civil passage of the Civil Rights Act? Which party introduced and heavily handed and forced Jim Crow laws? Would you like to remind everybody that it's your party, party of demon rats, that was responsible for Jim Crow, and it was the Republican Party that was responsible for civil rights in this country? Would you like to go ahead and clarify all that for everybody there, creepy Uncle Joe? No? You're just going to continue to play the Republicans are racist, Trump is racist, Kennard. You're going to play this, and you're going to suggest that somehow, some way, requiring people to show photo identification is is racist, and it's trying to disenfranchise minorities. And did you want to explain to minorities how insulting that is to them, or shall I? Okay, I'll do it for you. Every time a demon rat pod member, party of death, Every time one of them suggests that photo ID requirements to vote are racist or are aimed at people of color, they are suggesting that people of color are so incapable of running their own lives, so incapable of doing something as simple as going down to a government office and getting a photo ID. And if they're impoverished and cannot afford a 10 or $20 ID, they will have one provided for them free of charge. They're suggesting that blacks and Latinos, and I'm, I guess I could, I could continue into other ethnicities where people are considered, quote, POC, people of color, that they can't get identification. They're just not capable. There's something in their DNA that makes them unable to navigate getting from point A to point B to go pick up an ID card. That's what these leftists are saying about people of color. They don't have the, the, the chops. They don't have the, the wherewithal, the IQ, the DNA, whatever it is to get it done. White people can do it. So when you require a photo identification or introduce a bill requiring a photo identification, you're playing into the hands of the white people who can get those things very easily. People of color, they're not capable. We have to treat them like they're little children who have to have things handed to them. Do they ever want to, st- I mean, honestly, do they ever stop and consider how racist they are by suggesting that black or Latino people, Hispanic people, cannot get 
photo identification as easily as, as white people? That they're incapable? That's so racist. The least racist thing that someone could say about this matter is that we, 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 we require all people, tall people, short people, fat people, skinny people, black people, white people, brown people, ethnic people of any kind, straight people, gay people, all people universally have to have a photo ID to vote because we have to make sure to protect the integrity of our elections. You do recall the times when Democrats cared about the integrity of our elections? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was last year. That was in 2016, too. Russians, foreign influence in our elections. We've got to stop that. But when Republicans try to stop illegal aliens from foreign countries from voting in our elections, let them vote. Don't you dare require a photo, a photo identification. You're targeting people of color. The hypocrisy is so thick, my friends, honestly. Let me get a quick time out here. And I said I'd go to the phones, and I will, right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. I love the colorful clothes It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it's 9.55. Got time for a few phone calls here before the top of the hour. Going to start with Mark, who's in Fairview on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Mark. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. I know we only have so much time here, so I'm going to roll fast. Okay. Uh, these Democrats or whatever you were calling them there, they, uh, first of all, they're denying Trump uh, in California taking a vote on uh, having his, if he doesn't release his taxes, having his uh, name... In, not several states, yeah, several ballot. states, not just California. Several states have uh, toyed with that idea. If he doesn't release his taxes, not putting his name on the ballot, which of course is insane. But um, and the we'll new attorney general in New York, you know, she's stated now she's going to investigate all his uh, any for any kind of improprieties or anything in all his businesses, even even his uh, attempt to buy the ball team, which he never even went ahead with. And so you know, these Democrats, they're out there. But also uh, two other things. I told you once before I kept track over the last two years of these weathers and weather changes from now, uh, from all the way back in the 19th century. We got another one here. I don't even keep track of it anymore because uh, I see what's going on. But uh, 1869, a big flooding in uh, Mississippi, and that the last uh, last big flood they compared was in 1869, 150 years ago. So they did have. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Mark. Then. Let me let me okay. jump in on that right there because I kind of want to stay on point here, just with the rest of these phone calls before the top of the hour. So I appreciate that. Thanks for the for the phone call, uh, TJ in Cleveland. Next, hi TJ. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, it was just reported that uh, Iraqi veterans are dying of brain cancer linked to uh, the use of toxic fire pits in Iraq. Now, Biden over the weekend uh, kind of complained that his own son was a victim, employed to Iraq in 2009. Yeah. Now, this practice was used up until 2015. Now, somebody should inform Biden that it was his administration that obviously sanctioned the use of these fire pits. Now, if they didn't sanction it, that means they were impervious and and I uh, didn't realize it was going on, and that's even worse. And another thing, Bob, it's not the first time a Democratic uh, uh, administration sanctioned the poison on our troops. Uh, back the Johnson administration, wasn't he the one that sanctioned Agent Orange use in Vietnam? That's a great point. That's a great point, a great question as well. Thanks very much, TJ. Appreciate that. Jim in West Park next. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. 
Let's not forget the Democrats moved the primary up six months in case someone died. I uh, talked about the economy. Yeah. If a dollar bill passes hands eight to 12 times, depending on what state you're in, Uncle Sam makes a whole dollar on that. So you got to get the dollars moving. Right. And then listening to uh, the uh, Cunningham program last night, he had Papadopoulos on, and I dozed off. I missed it. So, but his whole question was, when did Mueller know this was a BS story? And I think it was right from the beginning. Thanks for taking my call. So do I. And that's also what Peter King said, too. That's another audio clip that I'll have a little bit later in the show. But Congressman Peter King from New York, who, you know, he's bipolar. Half the time he's, he's right on point. Half the time he's out there with the loons. But, but, uh, but Peter King pointed out Bob Mueller knew early on that this was bogus and had to put on this dog and pony show that he was hired and commissioned to go and do. He owed it to the president and the American people to kill the collusion narrative way early on in this whole thing. And the fact that he did not was almost criminal. Peter King was absolutely right about that. Mary Grace next. You're on the air. Go ahead, Mary Grace. Mueller followed Whitey Bulger. I'm telling you, he, oh, God help me. I'm telling you, I can't stand the line. He used to follow Whitey Bulger, and Whitey Bulger got killed when he got moved to another prison. Isn't that convenient? It's called appropriate or eliminate. Well, you know, we and thank you, Mary Grace, for that phone call. You know, I, I can't comment specific to the Whitey Bulger thing, but I want to say this before I get to the top of the hour news, because we do have Laura Trump, the uh, uh, president's daughter-in-law, the uh, wife of Eric Trump, who's going to be the keynote speaker at an event coming up in uh, Ohio this week. Uh, coming up. I want to say this on the way into that. Great tweet from my friend Khalid, who guest hosted my show for a couple of days when I was on vacation. He tweeted to me, giving Obama credit for this economy is like giving Hugh Jackson credit for the Browns' wins after he was fired. We threw out his playbook. Absolutely perfect analogy. That is exactly what we did to the to uh, the Hugh Jackson playbook, and it's exactly what Donald Trump did to the Barack Obama playbook. Throw it out because it was no good. We need to do things better. Yes, we need to do things better. Thanks for that. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two coming up. Stay right here on AM fourteen twenty. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 